0: The following is a presentation of Remnant. Hi, this is Jerry from Remnant. Let's be honest, this life can be hectic, draining, and downright confusing. My hope is that by listening to this message, your life can be impacted by God's great love for you. And His love will give you wisdom, courage, and strength. Thanks for listening. You're listening to a message from Pastor Jerry Godsey. we uh, going to look at the, the title of today's message is Wonderful Counselor, and we're going to look at John, but we're going to throw back to the Old Testament because I think it really has meaning for where we are today. If you got your Bible, turned to John chapter 16. All the social media stuff was up there. Hashtag Wonderful Counselor, at Jerry Godsey, at Remnant Church. Please use your social media during the message. John chapter 16, starting at verse 12. There is so much more I want to tell you, but you can't bear it now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak in his own, but will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. He will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. All that belongs to the Father is mine. This is why I said the Spirit, notice that's capitalized, Spirit, talking about the Holy Spirit, the Spirit will tell you whatever he receives from me. We're going to talk about the Holy Spirit and his work in our lives today, and we're actually going to go back to a prophecy about the, uh, about the Messiah to do it. Let's pray. God, thank you for today. Lord, and I know that there are so many of us today that need a wonderful counselor, so many of us today that need the attributes that we're going to talk about today. Father, I pray that you'll open our hearts to hear from you. God, that our lives would, uh, would just soak in all that you have for us. Lord, let my words be your words today. Bless us now, God. We ask it in your name. Amen. During the Depression, a man named Yates owned a sheep ranch. Mr. Yates wasn't able to make enough of his ranching operation to pay the principal and interest on the mortgage, so he was in danger of losing his property. With little money for clothes or food, his family was barely able to survive. Day after day, as he grazed his sheep over the rolling West Texas hills, he was troubled about how he was going to pay his bills. Then a seismographic crew found oil on his property. They asked permission to drill a wildcat well, and he signed a lease contract. At 1,115 feet, they struck a huge oil reserve. The first well came in at 80,000 barrels a day. Many subsequent wells were more than twice as large. In fact, 30 years after the discovery, a test of one of the wells showed it still had a potential flow of 125,000 barrels a day. And Mr. Yates owned it all. See, when you buy the land, you receive all the oil and mineral rights that go with it. But he'd been living in poverty. A man with the potential of a millionaire. Think how much 125,000 barrels of oil is worth. Day after day after day. Here's this guy living in poverty. He can barely feed his family. He's got his sheep out there on the ranch, and he's wondering, how am I going to survive tomorrow? And he's worth millions. He just doesn't know it yet. There are an awful lot of Christians that live that way. We live in spiritual poverty. We have access to so many blessings, so many things from God. And I'm not talking just money. If God never made it possible for me to earn another dime, he's already been so good to me over my years that I would have to thank him for the rest of my life. Understand, folks, the Holy Spirit is promised to us. It's given to us. And then we act like we're on our own. We wander around like like a like a ball in a bumper pool game, you know, just kind of going around from piece to piece, getting bounced around by the world. And we think, well, there's got to be more to it. There is. And here's the great thing about it. If you've accepted Christ as your Savior, you have access to all of His his riches, His spiritual riches. You have access to it. And you you struggle spiritually and you think, oh, I'm going to die and the devil's after me. And God's like, I gave you the Holy Spirit. Use it. You're sitting on all of this wealth, all of this power, all of this amazing stuff, and you choose to live like a pauper. It doesn't make any sense. You're ignoring your birthright. When we obey Jesus by repenting of our sins and being buried in baptism, we have a promise that we will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Look at Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's a miracle that's within our grasp. It's promised to us. If you repent of your sins, so that's the first part. And repenting is not just saying, sorry, sorry. It's changing direction. And I like that it says, if you repent of your sins and turn to God. Because the idea of repentance literally means kind of a, a 180. I hate it when I hear people say, yeah, I was going the wrong way and I made a 360. Dude, if you make a 360, you're right back where you started. Knucklehead. It's called math. Use it. I was headed down this road, and I recognized that there was nothing ahead of it but sin and degradation and death, and I thought, you know what? I'm better than this. So I went to the Lord, I repented, and I literally turned around. I was headed away from God. Now I'm turning to God. Isn't that amazing? That's all it takes for you to have access to everything the Holy Spirit has to offer you is to repent and turn to God. We, and we try to make it so difficult, right? All right, you have to repeat this prayer. My most subnipotent Father. Nah, nah, nah. Repent from your sins, turn to God, and you will receive the Holy Spirit. Ephesians tells us in Ephesians 1.13 that the Holy Spirit is God's stamp of ownership on us. Look at this. Now you Gentiles, that's us, unless you're Jewish here, that's all of us, have also heard the truth, the good news, that God saved you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit, whom he promised long ago. It's a stamp of ownership. The Holy Spirit, or God, looked down at you and stamped you, put a rubber mark right in the middle of your forehead. This belongs to God. You're his. You belong to him. You're adopted. In fact, we're going to talk about what that means in a little bit. You're adopted. Years before Jesus came, the prophet Isaiah saw, foresaw a Savior that would come and be a different kind of king than the king Ahaz that he had, who was not a very good king. In fact, his faith was really weak. Look at Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, and this is really the crux of the message today. Usually you hear this at Christmas time. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us, the government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Every one of those titles is a revelation of what Christ wants to do in our lives. Every one of them. Look at it again. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Every one of those is important to us. And you may have looked at that as just a, a, an Old Testament thing that they always read at Christmas time. But I'm here to tell you that these are earmarks of what the Holy Spirit wants to do in us today. Jesus came. At the time of, this, of, of John 16, he knows what's coming. He's about to enter Holy Week. He's getting close. And that's why he told him. he said, you know what? I got news to tell you, but you can't bear it. But here's what's going to happen. The Holy Spirit's going to come, and he's going to tell you things from me. The Holy Spirit is like the go-between. He's going to reveal things to you that God has given me. So what is it that, that, that the Holy Spirit gives us as Jesus breathes to him? First of all, he's our wonderful counselor. Jesus gives us guidance. You feel like you're lost. And I don't mean like GPS lost, although I do that every now and then too. When I first moved to the ranch, I would get lost on the ranch. Because once you get off the roads up there at the ranch, sixteen hundred acres. And after a while the trees all look alike. I I think I've seen that tree before. Five minutes ago when I passed it again. I still got one section that I don't know really well. I don't go there very often. I mean, have you ever felt lost in your life like you don't know what to do next? Trying to think between two jobs or or wondering what your life is supposed to be. Sometimes you feel like the hokey pokey. You know, put your right foot in, put your right foot out, shake it all about. You do the hokey pokey, you turn yourself around, that's what it's all about. Really? That's what it's all about? That's the... I'm just gonna walk around shaking my leg around. Hey, and there's a lot of us. That's the way we live our lives. We just walk around like, hey, no, okay, I'll go over here. Jesus wants to give us guidance. You've got a hard decision. Ask God. And I, I heard a guy actually say that he opens the refrigerator, and he looks and he asks whether he asks God. He prays about whether or not he should eat an apple or an orange. Okay, now if I'm God, I'm going to yell at this guy. Sparky, I gave you a brain. Use it. Let's talk about that kind of decision. Lord, should I have the Kung Pao chicken or the general so Shut up. Just eat something. Take an egg roll. Shut up. Leave us alone. But when you're, when you're at a crossroads in your life, you need to go to God. Because he knows what's perfect. He knows what's best. He puts your life together. He's got your way laid out for you if you'll just follow him. Hebrews 4.15 says, This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses for he faced all of the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. When I was a youth pastor, I never worked for a pastor who had ever been an associate pastor, or a youth pastor. They had all just been senior pastors. So when they'd give me something to do that was difficult because of my position, I would tell them, well, wait a second, but that's not a good idea. Oh, well, you don't know anything, Jerry. You just go do what you're told. And I always wanted to tell them, you don't know what it's like. You don't know what it's like to be on this side of the table. You don't understand what it's like to be the employee, not the employer." We don't get to use that with Jesus. Oh, well, Lord, you don't know what it's like to live down here. Yeah, he does. Oh, but Lord, you know, being a human is so hard. Okay. Jesus lived it. See, and every generation wants to think they have it harder than every every generation before them. Thirteen-year-old kids today, oh, you guys don't know what it's like. Of course we do. I was a 13-year-old kid at once. Once. A long time ago, but I was a thirteen-year-old kid. Oh, well, but we faced pressures. So did we. Well, but but you know you don't know. Yeah, we do. We know. We've walked there. I mean, the the, the details are different. You've got a lot more opportunity to be stupid publicly now. You knuckleheads in social media. I mean, what, read about the kid that was running driving around the other day with a fake gun, trying to be a YouTube sensation? no, you're just a booger-eating moron sensation. Congratulations, you're famous for all the wrong reasons. Think about it. Every generation has its issues. I was talking about it one time to an older guy in our church, and I said, yeah, it's tough for these kids now. And he looked at me and said, I lived through the Depression. Okay, but but these kids have to deal with like high school and stuff. I didn't get to go to high school. I had to work for prefer- all right, you win. You win. That's when you hear those stories. I had to walk uphill to school, you know, three miles in the snow uphill both ways. What? Shut up. So, Jesus knows that he's getting ready to leave, and he tells the guys, Look, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's going to come to you, and he's going to reveal God's will for you. He's going to be that still small voice in the back of your head that says, You know what? That's not a good idea. Don't do it. Hey, you know what? Here's a good path for you. You know when we get in trouble? When we ignore that still small voice, everybody thinks that God is going to scream at you. Like God is somehow going to part the heavens. And in a deep, booming voice, Jerry, don't do that. Is that you, Lord? Instead, we have the still small voice of the Holy Spirit. We think that God's going to yell but he reveals himself through whispers. Jerry, come on, you're better than this. Jerry, follow me. Let's go this way. You know this is a better way. And when you start to sin and you feel that conviction, the Holy Spirit is trying to keep you from wrecking yourself. When the Spirit comes, he's going to guide you into all truth, Jesus said. The Holy Spirit makes known to us what Jesus wants us to know. Jesus is our counselor. What guidance do you need? Today, right here, this morning, what guidance do you need? See, because this is where it gets personal. Because before this, we could say, oh, well, the Lord is our counselor. He counsels all of us. Hallelujah. No, 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 no. God wants to counsel You. You sitting here right here in these uncomfortable folding chairs, God wants to talk to you. What guidance do you need today? What is confusing your heart and your mind? What is holding you back? Look, it's wise sometimes to seek uh, opinions from, from professionals. But what about seeking counsel from Jesus? Jesus. Maybe you've got a relationship issue or a financial issue or a time management or a health issue. Have you gone to the Lord with it? Have you asked the Holy Spirit if there's guidance from God? Because I guarantee you there is. We just kind of charge ahead without finding out what it is. If you've got an issue today, go to God. Jesus... Is our ultimate counselor in all areas. Bring your problems to him. Consult his word. Spend time in prayer. Jesus' often is, office is always open and there are no copays. You don't get a bill from Jesus. If you've got decisions looming in your heart, if you've got things that are confusing you, go to God. I cannot stress that enough because, again, like, like the guy that owned the sheep ranch and had all those oil and mineral rights, we wander around like we don't have anything to, to, to guide us and the Holy Spirit is there saying, if you ask and listen, I'll give you all the guidance you need. It's not that the Holy Spirit hasn't been trying to help us, it's that we haven't been trying to listen. Second thing that's promised here, He is a mighty God. Jesus gives us strength, like the picture of Christmas of that little baby in a manger. Babies are helpless. I've had two of them. Well, I haven't had them. I've been around. We had them in our house. I would look at him and say, "Honey, he's got a dirty diaper." I don't know. No, I change diapers. Gagging the whole time. And you go on a crime scene where there's a dead body and that doesn't bother me, but dirty diapers. But that baby that looks so helpless in the manger is mighty. He's a mighty God the word here suggests a war hero strength like strength in battle you ever wonder why they keep making star wars movies i mean like okay but you kind of told the story of darth vader and how he got to be darth vader isn't that kind of it no now there's another one there's another one coming out solo and i thought it was about those little red cups but no it's about some of you get that later it's about hand solo so now we're going to go back and see Han Solo's beginning story, which I really didn't care about. You know why they keep making those, the Star Wars movies? Because they make money. But there may be a, a, a little deeper reason why they're popular. Because they, they made like a whole bunch of police, was it Police Academy movies? Wow. No, no. I've seen better film on Dishwater. No, not good. They made one of them, and it was okay, and then they made a bunch. They made Paul Blart Mall 2. I don't know how the first one got made, and they made a second one. And I think they're going to do a third one. Why? Why? Here's what Frank Pallotta, a CNN money reporter, says, that the Star Wars movies connect with people who long for a new hope and a force of good at a time when the world needs heroes. I don't need heroes. I've got Jesus. Jesus is our hero. We serve a mighty Savior, a divine strength, the mighty God. Jesus is the, the, the God who is fully God and fully man and triumph over their sin and death forever. Look at Isaiah 41.10. Don't be afraid for I am with you. Don't be discouraged for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. I'm sorry, but that doesn't sound like some guy without any strength or power. Don't be afraid. I'm with you. We were we took um we took a train trip. Some amusement park, I don't even remember what the amusement park was anymore. And we went into this dark tunnel, and Isaac, my oldest son, kind of started freaking out. And he was sitting in the chair next to me. I put my arm around him and said, it's okay, buddy, I'm here. It was just natural reaction, because I loved Isaac, and I didn't want him to be frightened. I didn't want him to be scared. And I'm not saying I'm a mighty conqueror. I was just dad. How much greater is it when God says, don't be afraid, I'm with you? Yeah, I created the heavens and the earth and you know I'm the I'm the, the the god without a beginning without an end. And by the way, I'm with you every step of this way. All those millions for the poor guy with the ranch and he didn't know he had it. All of God's strength, all of God's power to get us through the tough times and we act like we don't have anything to help us. It's a shame. And it's got to break God's heart. Because God promises to strengthen you, to help you, to uphold you. What kind of strength do you need today? What is missing in your life today? What is the place where you feel the most vulnerable? The place where you feel the most powerless? In our weakness, He's strong. I didn't put it in the notes and I probably should have, where Paul says, Look, I glory in my weaknesses, because those are the places where God's the strongest. Don't be afraid to be weak. Do be afraid to be weak and not get God's help. What kind of strength do you need? You need emotional strength to keep walking through the low days need physical strength just to get out of bed in the morning? I feel like that some mornings. When your strength seems to be failing, remember God is with you. God will be your strength. So we know that if we're overwhelmed, he's our counselor. We know that when we feel weak, he's our strength. God is also the everlasting father. Jesus gives us love. Gives us love. Now remember who we're talking about. We're talking about Jesus, who's a member of the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And he left the splendor and the beauty of heaven to come down and be just like us. I would not have done it. I've got to be honest with you. Would not have done it. I've got a nice, comfortable recliner at my house. And once I'm in it, I will not leave it unless I absolutely have. I mean, if the house is on fire, I might think about it. Lynette, can you put the fire out first before I get up? I'm tired. I just want to watch Sports Center. Jesus left heaven, He left heaven to come here. I leave Boulevard to come to El Centro, and I gripe about it. Oh, it's so hot down there now. Sissy Lala. I can't imagine leaving heaven. But he did. We get to know our Heavenly Father better as we get to know his Son, Jesus. That's why Jesus told Philip in John fourteen nine. Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. Think about that term, everlasting Father. When I think about that, I I think about God's compassionate love and care and provision for us. See, most of us didn't have perfect fathers. Most of us, a lot of us had issues with our dads. A lot of us have not so great memories of our fathers at times. But God was that perfect father that all of us wanted but none of us had. I, I will never forget reading this uh, uh, a passage, a thing called the, the Father Heart of God. And he, he, he personalized it and it really hit a part in me because I didn't have that. He says that God was the perfect father that whenever you wanted to go outside and play catch, he always had time. That when you skinned your knee, God was the father who got the back teen and the band-aid and fixed you up. That when you brought the finger painting home, he knew exactly that it was a boat, not a house. God was that perfect father that all of us wanted, but none of us had. And like the perfect father, he loves us, and he loves us unconditionally. He loves us with everything in him. In fact, he adopted us. Look at Hebrews chapter 2, verse 11. So now Jesus and the ones he make holy have the same father. That is why Jesus is not ashamed to call them his brothers and his sisters. You follow Christ today? You're one of Jesus' brothers and sisters. You've been adopted into the family. I told you before I had a kid in my youth group in El Cajon whose his parents couldn't have kids, so they adopted Rick. And then, as happens sometimes, they adopted Rick, and then a couple of years later, she had a baby. Just naturally had a baby. Something kicked in. So then she had another one. So the younger brothers would always say, yeah, well, you're adopted. And he would say, yeah, I am. But mom and dad chose me. They got stuck with you. I think that's a pretty good argument, actually. Understand this. God chose you. God chose you to be his kid. He looked at the world and he said, I'll take him. Yeah, the little bald chubby kid right there. Well, I wasn't bald when I was a kid. <laughs> I had hair at some point. I'll take Jerry Godsey. I'll adopt him. He'll be mine. And for a kid who struggled with not even feeling wanted by his own father, it was amazing. It was amazing to think that God chose me to be part of his family. Amazing to me to think that God cared enough about this poor little kid in the the ghetto in L.A. that he adopted me. Romans 8.29 says, For God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to, to become like his son so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. If you were God's son, if you were God's kid, don't you think you'd walk a little taller? You think that, that the, the, the prince and princesses of these countries, you think they don't walk a little taller than all the commoners? Yeah, don't touch me, I'm the prince. Don't mess with me, I've got Secret Service right here. Take care of your business. Don't you understand that you are one of God's children? You should walk tall. You should walk proud. In fact, you probably I'll strut a little bit. That's right. I'm one of God's kids. Don't mess with me. Romans, 8, chapter 14, or Romans chapter 8, verse 14 says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So you have not received a Spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's Spirit when He adopted you as His own children. Now we call Him Abba Father. Abba Father, an Aramaic term that kind of is loosely translated Daddy. Now we don't call Him you know, the God of our father Abraham, the God of our father Isaac, which is the way the, the Jews always referred to him in the Old Testament. No, we call him Abba Father. He Dad. He Dad. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share his glory, we must also share his suffering. Understand, this is a two-edged sword. If you want to be God's heir, you want to be God's kid, yeah, there's a little suffering that goes on with that. And people will tell you, if you follow Jesus, all your problems will end for the rest of your life. Hallelujah. Well, that's dumb. That's not going to happen. I still have troubles. I still have issues. Here's the difference between Jerry without God and Jerry with God. Jerry without God would have troubles and issues and not know what to do about it. Jerry with God knows where to go for strength and guidance and how to get through. And he gets God's help as he goes. Isn't that amazing? You've got got pre-Jesus and post-Jesus. Pre-Jesus, your life was a mess post-Jesus, it might still have some issues. It might still be a mess. But God's helping you clean it all up. We are his children. And I, saw, I really looked into this whole idea of adoption. Because when he talks about adopting us, he, he made us his children. What does that mean to us? And I found this by by, uh, Francis Lyle, and I encourage you to to find the rest of this. I I did, it was amazing. This is what he said. Francis Lyle said, Worshiping families were the building blocks of Roman society. In adoption, the adoptee got a new identity. His old obligations and debts were wiped out, and new obligations were assumed. From the standpoint of the family religion, the adoptee became the same person as the adopter. The law said, because understand that some of these kids who were up for adoption were there because their parents were in prison for debts, and those debts were generational. They'd be passed down to kids. Your dad's a poor money manager, and now you've got like thousands of dollars worth of debt too. You were in third grade. You owe thousands of dollars. But then somebody would adopt you, a family would adopt you, and all those old debts are gone. In fact, they give you a new identity. And from that moment on, you're part of that family. In fact, you're part of the family so strongly that you can't be kicked out. God looks at us. God looks at us and he says, you know, I want you to be part of my family and my son's going to take care of you. I told you a little while ago that I, I, my dad left when I was eight. And literally overnight, I went from being an eight-year-old kid to being the oldest guy in the household. I was the oldest kid. And it was my job to take care of my mom, and I learned how to do laundry, and I learned how to cook. And my mom would go to work. She had to go to work because we didn't have any money otherwise. And so I did all of that stuff. And I also had two little brothers that I had to take care of. And i got to admit, I thought about you know, drowning them to take care of them. It would have been a lot easier, especially Greg. Tim was small enough that I could handle him, but Greg was just a case. Hope you're watching, Greg. Okay. Overnight, I became a parent to a couple little kids. Five years difference between me and my, younger bro- my middle brother, ten years difference between me and my youngest brother. And I punished them. I did all, you know, did all the right stuff. I was their dad. Understand that that's the role that Jesus has in your life. You're adopted into the family, and he's there to watch over you. He's there to help you. He's there to make sure you don't get in trouble. He's there to make sure that you have everything you need. That's why John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world so much that he gave his one and only Son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God gave us eternal life. It was his to give. And he did it by sacrificing his Son. He sacrificed his Son, Jesus, who left heaven to come down here to the earth to make sure that Jerry Godsey would have somebody to take care of him. That Jerry Godsey would have an older brother who understood that he was adopted but loved him like his own. We complicate it, not God. God said it's simple. John 1, 12, But to all who believed in him, accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. Folks, you are not just bumpkins. You are not just people wandering aimlessly through life. You're God's kids. And if you're not this morning, you can fix that. All you have to do is accept Christ. Finally, he's the Prince of Peace. Jesus gives us peace. Prophet Isaiah and the prophet Micah foresaw a time when the king of kings, the prince of peace, would govern all the nations of the world. There'd be no more conflict, no more war. Look what Micah says in, verse, in chapter 4, Micah 4, 3. The Lord will mediate between peoples and will settle disputes between strong nations far away. They'll hammer their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will no longer fight against nation nor train for war anymore. There's not a king on earth that's been able to do that. But Jesus will. He's going to come down. That whole thing between North Korea and South Korea, you just take care of it. You guys knock it off. Play nice. Like it's that easy for us. But for him it is. He's God and we're not. When Jesus was preparing his disciples for going as he was going to heaven, he told this to them, John fourteen twenty seven. I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. The peace I give you is the gift the world cannot give, so don't be troubled or afraid peace I've shared my testimony with you guys a bunch of times that I was an angry kid again I, I played football so I could hit people and hurt them and not get in trouble true story full of hatred full of venom full of just anger and I didn't know how to get rid of it. Got in fights, did all kinds of stuff. And in fact, my wife told me if she'd known me in high school, she wouldn't have liked me. Probably true. I'm not sure she's crazy about me now. I was just so wrapped up all the time, just so... Uh. And One night at a summer camp... I fully accepted Christ and I forgave the people that had hurt me and I, I forgave myself for the horrible things that I had said and, and been. And for the first night in any time I could remember, I slept peacefully that night. I used to wake up all the time, you know, gripping the sides of the bed, just wake up all freaked out. And that night I slept pretty much through the whole night. And over and over and over and over and over, in the middle of some of the worst things that's ever happened to me, I have felt God's peace. And I've never been filled with that kind of anger since. Because the greatest thing that Christ gave me was peace. The peace that I didn't have to be mad at my dad anymore. I didn't have to be mad at my mom or any of the other people that I felt like had let me down. I could just have peace because he gave it to me. I love the story I found this week. Pastor Mark Buchanan wrote about a young woman who, in his words, had a desolate past, a blighted landscape of childhood neglect, sexual abuse, and stemming from this, the many, piece, many broken pieces of her own bad choices. She goes to the pastor she poured out her heartbreaking story in his office and he sat in sudden silence and he doesn't know what to tell her. This is a woman whose life is broken on multiple levels. Just ripped to shreds. Everybody she's ever trusted has turned on her. Everybody that she's ever trusted has let her down. Everything in her life is a shambles. And she's done part of it and other people have done things to her. He doesn't know what to say. He doesn't know what to do. And He wrote this in his book, the, the Rest of God, that therapy helps deal with past hurts, but he's not a therapist. But God prompted him to help this woman, not by looking at her past, but by looking at the possibility of a new future. And understand, understand who you are today. If you're here today and you've got hurt and anger, and pain in your past, it's there. Just like mine was there, it's there. But, God has a new future. Right here today, God has a new future for you. It doesn't matter where you've been, but it matters a lot where you're going. He led her to Jesus, and in Jesus she found a wonderful counselor, someone who knew the way home. She found a mighty God, more powerful than all her brokenness and past. She found an everlasting father who would never abuse her with his love. And she found a Prince of Peace who had come to make her life whole again. Look at that list. What do you need today? What do you need? It's all there. You have a bright future. You have a life that's laid out in front of you. A road that's laid out in front of you that says, okay, let's go. Everything you need is right here. Everything. What are you going to do? This is that place where they call it the crisis of confrontation. Here's your life, here's God's word. What are you going to do about the differences? What are you going to do about the places where God's word says, your life is this, but I want to make it this? And make no mistake about it, folks, you can walk out of here today and everything in your life can stay exactly the way it is. You can walk out of here with your hurt. You can walk out of here with your confusion. You can walk out of here with your brokenness, your pain and your sorrow. If you want to stay that way, you can do it. Or. Or you can walk out of here today on a new road with God's peace, God's joy, God's forgiveness, God's grace. And I can't make you do it. If I could, I would. If I could throttle you around the neck and, you know, choke you out until, until you accepted Christ and changed your life, I'd do it. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not above it. But it doesn't work that way. Are you ready today to find the Prince of Peace, the everlasting Father, the wonderful counselor, the mighty God? If you are, he's ready for you. I don't care how you walked in, but man, I care how you leave. Let's pray. God, thanks. What an incredible promise. That you would be our wonderful counselor, our mighty God, our everlasting Father, our Prince of Peace. God, thanks. Father, right now I pray. That you'll come and begin touching hearts, God. I know there are people here who are confused today. I know there are people who are hurt. And they don't know where to go next. But God, you have grace. You have wisdom. You have strength. You have guidance. And you have peace. Thanks, God. Thanks, God. You're sitting here this morning and you came in and you just thought you're coming to church another time and all of a sudden now you're confronted with, with the places in your life where God has more for you. You've been sitting on millions of riches and living like somebody who's Poor. If that's you this morning, right here, right now, do not delay. Don't say, I'll do it tomorrow. No, today. Today's your day of deliverance. Today's your day of peace. Today's your day of strength. Don't wait. Do it now. Go to God right now and say, God, I give you my brokenness. I give you my hurt. I give you my confusion. I give you my weakness. God, you show yourself faithful. Come on, do it. Right now. Right now. God. It's all you. I, I've 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 got the place. I've got I've done all I can do. Now I want you, God, and want your strength. Don't be afraid to be broken when we're broken that God is strong you can't help your past but you can sure address your future Father I pray that you'll speak to our hearts today God the decisions that be made today to follow you the decisions that be made today to turn our lives over to you God because we are broken but we can still be beautiful Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Stand with me if you would. This wasn't in my notes, but I want to leave you with this thought. There's a Japanese word called kintsuji. And the idea of kintsuji is you have these beautiful cups and teapots and things that break and they would take gold and they would put gold as filler in the broken spots and the idea of Kintsuji is that the pot is more beautiful now because it was broken and now it's fixed it had all kinds of cracks and weak spots but now they're fixed and what's left is more beautiful than it began. In fact, they actually started people who would break things on purpose just so they could you know, put things back together and make them more beautiful. I want you to listen very carefully to me. If you're broken, my God can make you more beautiful. You may have come in here today with your life in shambles, but you've got an opportunity when you walk out to be more beautiful than you ever thought possible. Don't stay broken. God's here to fix, God's here to complete, God's here to transform. Love you. You've been listening to a presentation of Remnant. For more information, visit us online at remnantchurchiv.com. You build a mighty fortress, Love is here to lift you up.